This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. The full number, 877-973-7425. I need to ask you, I need you all to just humor me for a minute. Um, If you're not in the Southeast, my apologies to those of you in in Missouri, Connecticut, and, and the Dakotas and elsewhere, but massive the massive storm system everybody's been experiencing is is blowing through the southeast right now and those of you who are listening over in Alabama the squall lines blowing through Birmingham right now you got severe thunderstorms there uh those of you listening on WORD in in uh Greenville South Carolina it's about to hit you the outer edges of this first wave there are two waves though second wave quite bad uh we were expecting my kids to be out of school today or to have school shut down, but but the storm system moved in slower and it's coming in two waves and the worst wave is upon us, or the, the, the first wave, not the worst wave, the worst wave is second. The first wave is upon us here in Georgia. It's blowing through Atlanta right now. A lot of rain, uh, another big band headed into Athens. It's all blowing up towards Greenville, South Carolina, Southern Pines, North Carolina. Those of you up in Connecticut, you're going to get hit by this. Um, the second wave will hit after 3 p.m. here in the East Coast. Uh, it's going through Alabama right now, and it's bad. There are tornadoes, severe thunderstorm warnings, uh, and the like, uh, and it's headed this way. So when you get home this afternoon, hunker down if you can. Uh, and try to leave the office a little early if possible in the southeast because this stuff is going to be bad. And then the temperatures for all of us, wherever you're listening, are going to drop significantly, particularly if you are east of the Mississippi. Um Really, if you're east of the Rockies, the temperature is going to collapse on you in the next week. It's just going to be miserable. Uh, so stay safe out there. Uh, th- that leads me to Iowa. But before I get to what's happening in Iowa, I actually want to take Dave's phone call. And I want to start off with Dave here. Dave, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? I'm just doing fantastic and showing steady improvement, Eric. Great, great. What's going on? Well, I wanted to hear you readdress a situation that you discussed once before and uh, had a, I think, a very low uh, opinion of possibility. But looking as though 
everything against Trump is starting to disintegrate. The only thing left remaining, I think, of any viability is the document case. But, uh, you know, look at the Georgia case and the New York case. Those are, are coming apart at the seams. There's a real possibility that Donald Trump could wind up being the Republican nominee. On the Republican side, the Biden administration is in the process of a major crash and burn. I don't see it getting any better. Uh, bless his heart, Joe Biden can't find his way off the stage. I don't see how, you know, a lot of the leading yeah. Democrats believe he's not going to make it. So now we've got to figure out who we're going to run on the Democrat side. Now, the possibility of a surrogate president uh, was uh, expressed by you of low opinion. But historically, there was a chief executive in Alabama, George Wallace, who was replaced, uh, succeeded by his wife, Lurleen Wallace, strictly as a placeholder. And he was the power broker. And the case of the Obamas, uh, although Michelle Obama's previously have said how much she didn't like being in Washington, they've got their millions, they've got their wonderful lifestyle, and they don't have anything else to do. And Barack likes the power. And she has recently, uh, Michelle has recently made statements about how concerned she is about the country. So she's not quite as vehement as she used to be about anti-Washington. She's concerned about it. So what's the possibility of the Democrats being forced into a broken convention and uh, Michelle Obama comes out as the required surrogate in order to put Barack back in power. Yeah, they've got the millions, they have a nice retired lifestyle, but they've got nothing else to do. And Barack yeah. likes the power. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, Bar- Barack does like the power. Um, and I, I think regardless of who the Democratic president would be, he'd have it. Um, so, you know, Dave, I, I, I used to be – very hostile to to the idea because uh, it, it just seems like it it comes from I it, it comes from quarters of the internet that that don't really have a great track record on on these sorts of predictions. I will say this though: she started a voting rights group uh, to get out the vote. She has uh, she's been pushing Democrats, as you've said. She's growing increasingly vocal uh, in her disdain for Donald Trump, and we must do whatever happens. However. There's an issue here for I, – I, I see why people say, uh, Michelle Obama, I, I know people who are convinced that this is what's going to happen. Let, let me just give you the lay of the land here. As the delegates begin racking up for the Democrats and Republicans, the delegates – the Democrats, you got to remember, changed the rules. They devalued the superdelegates. So the superdelegates only play a major role – if you don't have enough delegate votes or if the delegate votes are fractured with Joe Biden being really the only contender on the Democratic side. Yeah, I know there's Dean Phillips and others, but they're shutting him out. Uh, the delegates won't be fractured. So the delegates will be bound to vote for Joe Biden. The delegates will have to vote for Joe Biden as a Democrat unless Joe Biden says, you know what? I can't do it. It's over. I'm out. Then there are two paths forward. If on the Wednesday night of the Democratic convention, Kamala Harris is confirmed as the Democratic nominee, they can't get out of it. They have to have Kamala Harris as the nominee. If Joe Biden walks away before the convention, like the day before the convention, Joe Biden walks away, Kamala Harris isn't on the ballot. Nobody's voting for her. She can't be the vice presidential nominee without uh, a presidential nominee. So, yeah, he could go out and and the Democrats could rally. They could bring in Michelle Obama uh, and Trump is toast if it's Michelle Obama, probably. 
um, because of, of women, her biography, she's seen as favorable. Um, you may not like her. I may not like her. I see her as, as, a, as partisan. You do too, but that's not how most Americans see her. And will Trump have time between the time she's the nominee and the end of the election when everyone's ooing and eyeing over the great surprise to be able to define her? Is that I don't know. I don't think so. But I don't think it will be Michelle Obama for a number of reasons. Yes, she's committed to getting out the vote. Yes, she's committed to helping. Uh, but she doesn't like Washington, D.C. She didn't like being in the White House. She didn't like being under the spotlight. She still doesn't like being under the spotlight. But more than that, there are a lot of Democrats who resent like hell Barack Obama. This doesn't get covered in the media. It doesn't get covered by our side because we're now as obsessed with Obama as we were the Clintons. But there are a lot of Democrats who resent like hell Barack Obama. The Biden team despises the Obama team. There's a story in the Politico that uh, Joe Biden has started referring to David Axelrod, Barack Obama's chief consultant, as a uh, Rick Pay. if you do the pig Latin on that one. I don't want to say the regular word on radio. Um, starts with a PR and it rhymes with stick. He's been referring to David Axelrod as that, as Axelrod has been criticizing the Biden campaign team. The Biden people do not like the Obama people. And there are a great many Democrats now who blame Barack Obama for Donald Trump and say he didn't do enough to realign the country. He didn't fight hard enough. Uh, and I don't think they want Michelle Obama. So you got to get through these delegates. And why would they pick Michelle Obama when the Democrats, as much as if not more so than the Republicans, have this pool of people who have been waiting very patiently because Joe Biden said he was going to be one-term president and then decided to run again. So you've got Gretchen Whitmer. And again, keep in mind, your reaction is, well, she sucks. Yeah, I agree. But how does the rest of the nation see her? We can't substitute our disdain for how other people see her. So you've got Gretchen Whitmer. You've got Gavin Newsom, who I even the Democratic strategists I talk to say he's too progressive. He could, can't be the nominee and nobody wants to tell him. But you've got Whitmer. You've got Jared Paulus in Colorado, who's a progressive but pretends to be a moderate. You've got members of Congress. You've got um, what's his name in Kentucky now? Uh, he he. It's a Republican state. They reelected Andy Bashir as governor again, overwhelmingly in a, in a year that was favorable for Republicans. Bashir got reelected. Uh, he's the Democratic darling right now. Bashir has a greater chance of being the nominee than um, Gavin Newsom. If Biden steps aside, I, I would tell you it's probably going to be Bashir Kamala Harris. There are so many elected Democrats who have been waiting their turn. If you got Michelle Obama, they would have to wait for eight years, probably. They don't want to wait. They don't want to wait. So that's why I have a hard time believing it would be Michelle Obama. There's the, the resentment of Barack Obama among Democratic politicos that y'all don't see because the media doesn't want to cover it. There's the great disdain and resentment of the Biden uh, side of the Democratic Party to Obama that does get covered, and they're the ones controlling the convention and Joe Biden's exit strategy. And then there are all of the politicos on the Democratic Party side who think it's their turn, and they would resent like hell Michelle Obama coming in. And they, they, they don't want to rally. 
I mean, you have to understand, for those of us in Georgia, we can relate to this on the Stacey Abrams situation. Now, for those of you nationally, Stacey Abrams ran in 2018. She was the media darling. There was a lot of white guilt among reporters who poured so much more coverage into into Beto O'Rourke. And Stacey Abrams did better than Beto O'Rourke, and she lost. And a lot of these white liberal reporters thought, oh, maybe if we had covered her better and more, she would have won. So they did in 2022. She's the darling of the Democrats. She gets on Star Trek. She gets on the cover of Vogue and Vanity Fair, and she loses. And what she did is she aligned the entire state party. She was literally telling people, you're not allowed to run for this position. You have to run for this position. No, you run here and you run here, and this is going to be our slate, and I'm going to get us elected. I'm going to carry us across. And not only did she not carry him across, she gave up weeks before the election and cost the Democrats everything. It's one of the stories that those of you not outside of Georgia appreciate enough. Stacey Abrams realized several weeks before the election she was toasted, gave up, disappeared, and left all these Democrats hanging. Her whole operation has collapsed now. She just lost a big court case in Georgia. Uh, They're being investigated. I mean, the whole thing collapsed. She is persona non grata now, and that's very much like the Barack Obama situation. He was very successful. The Democrats were not. Barack Obama, as much as he was successful for himself, look what happened to the Democratic Party. They got wiped out nationally, and Donald Trump became president, and Democrats will not forgive him for that. He's the most successful Democrat they've had since Bill Clinton. But look how they turned on Bill Clinton. They're not going to give Michelle Obama a pass because of her husband. There are too many other Democrats waiting in the wings, and you've got Andy Bashir now in Kentucky as their latest media darling, a supposed moderate Democrat, he's actually very liberal, from a Republican state who beat the Republicans in an off-off-year election in 2023. He's the guy they're starting to look at for the future. He's young, he's got legs, he wins in Republican states, he speaks the language of moderation, he connects to blue-collar voters. That's their guy all of a sudden. So you'd probably put him in with Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, that there's there's no love loss for Kamala Harris. They won't ditch her because of the wokes and the intersectionalists, but they're not going to advance her. They know she would be even a bigger disaster than Joe Biden. So that that's why my my informed opinion on why it's not going to be Michelle Obama is all of these issues. I will say this, however, if they did decide to go with her, she would be tough to beat because she's not defined by her husband's politics, even with a lot of conservative women. She is a woman. That helps her. And she did a very good job rehabilitating her image after they left the White House with her biography and her speaking tour and the like. She'd be a formidable opponent. She would. Don't discount that she would be. Uh, I do want to say this. I do believe Republicans could be walking into a trap with Donald Trump, very much so. You nominate Donald Trump, The Democratic convention is a month after the Republican convention. That gives Joe Biden a month to run the tables, do the deep dive polling, decide he can't win and bow out. And Republicans will be stuck with Donald Trump while Democrats get to change faces. And if you don't think that can happen, the Democrats have done this in multiple state races around the country in just the past decade. New Jersey, Connecticut, and elsewhere, the the Democrats, they ditch their front runner and they replace him at the last minute. And there's nothing you could do about it because it's perfectly legal. And you'll be stuck with Donald Trump unless he wants to get out. And you know and I know Trump won't get out. And so we'll go up against someone other than Joe Biden. Whether it all happens or not, if I had to, like, if you put a gun to my head and said, you must pick, Joe Biden's not going to bow out. 
His wife thinks he can do it. He thinks he can do it. And his ego is too freaking big for him to do it. He would rather go down. And you know what's going to happen if Joe Biden loses? The Democrats in 2024 will do exactly what the Republicans did in 2020. They'll claim it was stolen and they will riot in the streets. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Those of you on the phones, be patient. It's an open line Friday, 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. But just bear with me. This is a short segment, and I do want to get into what's going on on the ground in um, in Iowa. Um, it, it's kind of a big deal. But I want to play you this audio. Uh, this is Jim Clyburn. Uh, the congressman from South Carolina, who's one of uh, Joe Biden's most notable supporters. He's actually the guy who Joe Biden credits with winning. He ran a South Carolina campaign, helped him rebound in South Carolina, galvanized the black vote to him. Listen to Jim Clyburn. This guy that's leading on the other side, that's the guy that told us who and what he was with the Central Park Five. And we're going to remind them of that. And we got to remind them this is the guy that did everything he could to discredit the first African-American president of these United States. This is a guy that looked in the camera and referred to an African-American woman as a dog. This kind of disdain and disrespect, we're going to remind them day in and day out of who this guy is and what he is, and we should not do anything to allow him to ever get anywhere near the White House again. You know, I, I, that when the economy sucks and people feel left behind and their 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 cities are crime ridden, that really doesn't help. And this is one of the the big divides between progressives and the black community. The black community is more progressive in a lot of ways than the white community on many things. But when it comes to safety in the community, moms and dads in the black community are as conservative as anybody else. They don't want gang-infested streets, and they feel given up upon by uh, local officials. They Remember, remember, keep in mind, look at Chicago, where the, the new Marxist mayor of Chicago, it was, it was white progressives who helped push him across the finish line. A lot of middle-class black neighborhoods rejected him, but it was the super poor areas and the upper-income white progressives who got him elected. There's a huge disconnect there that the Democrats just don't want to pay attention to. One of the groups that is is Americans for Prosperity. They're kind of exploiting that issue, luring non-white voters to the conservative cause for free markets and free people. They're taking a tough on crime stances. They're t- uh, taking stances for reform of, of entitlements, for school choice. They're particularly targeting black families on school choice that it's good for them. They should support it, explaining why. They're going into communities. They're putting real points on the board. They're a do tank, not a think tank. They actually go do the business of the conservative movement instead of just trading white papers and Washington. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric is where you can go sign up with them. You can be one of their activists. They've got over 4 million people. They train you. They give you the up-to-date information and the arguments on how to make the best case for limited governments, for reform of entitlements, for school choice, for deregulation, for small businesses. They make you really effective and they give you the inside information to, to improve your advocacy for conservatism. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Go sign up with them today and be more effective as a conservative. Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Open line Friday for you, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, let's go take some phone calls. Artemis, you're going to be up next. I love your name. Welcome. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? 
I'm doing well. I listened to the previous segment of your show um, about immigrants being hardworking at food industry and yada, yada, yada. So one way or another, the way I look at it, uh, all they get right now is free shelters in New York City, uh, free education for their kids. And it doesn't look like anybody's trying to work. So I think if they don't want to assimilate, if they don't want to come in on plane with the visa, they just shouldn't be coming here. And it's just my take. Uh, look, I agree with you completely. They they shouldn't be coming here. And, and to your larger point, there should be an assimilation process. I mean, we're seeing what happens in Europe uh, with immigrants there who, particularly in the Islamic community, who haven't integrated into France and Germany. There have been massive I- Islamic riots in Berlin and Munich and elsewhere, essentially claiming that as their numbers rise, they want to impose Sharia in parts of Germany. And it's not getting a lot of coverage outside of uh, telegram channels on the internet where where Germans are posting this stuff. The German government doesn't want people to talk about it. We're seeing it in um, Stockholm. We're seeing it in in parts of France and Belgium where they're not integrating into communities. They're not uh, assimilating. They're not adopting. That doesn't mean they have to give up their religion any more than you and I have to give up our religion. But they're not embracing the uh, Western ideals and values. And if you're coming to our country, I firmly believe you should have to speak English or learn English, and you should want to be an American first. You should want to be an American. My grandfather immigrated to this country, had to learn to speak English. And did that. Uh, never wanted to go back to Sweden. Uh, I think went back maybe one time. And he, he, was, he was an American. He was, he was Swedish, but he was an American. My dad's Swedish. Uh, his mom and dad are from Sweden. But my dad, uh, I don't think my dad's been to Sweden. He's, he's from Miami, Florida. Swede from, from Coral Gables. And met my mom in college at Mississippi College, moved to Louisiana. But, I mean, my dad's family's Swedish. When he grew up, he spoke Swedish at home, but they all spoke English as well. And uh, they assimilated my grandfather and grandmother into this country. If you come to this country as an immigrant, you should want to be an American, not just come here for money. You should want to be part of the American dream. And to be part of the American dream, you need to embrace what it means to be an American. That's just the God's honest truth. Whether it offends you or not, that's the reality. If you're coming to this country, if you're immigrating to this country, become an American. Don't become a Mexican-American. Don't become a Honduran American. Don't become a Swedish American. Don't become a, a, a Saudi American. You become an American. No hyphenation. You you become an American. And if you're not willing to do that, don't come here or go home. Wherever wherever home may be, go home. We got You've got to embrace what it means to be an American. And you know you make us better off when you assimilate. The taco is as American as the hamburger, which itself is from Germany. You know, I don't want to cancel myself by saying this, but so when I was a, when I was little, I was a very picky eater. Now, as an aside, I am not a fancy eater. I'm not a foodie. I have friends who are foodies. I go to restaurant. I, I had to go eat at a restaurant uh, a couple weeks ago, 
and there was nothing on the menu I wanted to eat. It's a very nice, famous restaurant. And uh, some folks took me to this restaurant because they thought, oh, he, he, I see all of his pictures on Instagram where he's cooking and stuff. He's a foodie. Let's take him here. This place is world-renowned. I was like, this is disgusting. I don't want to eat this crap. I, 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 I mean, who? no, I'm not eating foie gras. I, I don't need your kangaroo. I, I don't want to eat kangaroo. I like I, I I like Roo uh in Winnie the Pooh. I don't I don't want to eat him. I no, I I don't I don't want I don't even eat deer. Um I, a lot of my friends that are her hunters are this is why I don't hunt because now I, I want to go duck hunting because I love me some duck. My gosh, I could eat my weight duck. That that is some great stuff. I need to go duck hunting, but I'm not a deer hunter. Um one, I don't want to sit in the deer stand all day and be quiet um and bored out of my mind waiting possibly for a deer to come. Charlie goes deer hunting. Charlie goes deer hunting because he hates people, and he's guaranteed not to run into them in the deer stand. I don't want to go deer hunting because I'm going to have my coffee and have to pee all morning, and I don't want to sit up there waiting for a deer in the cold to come. But duck hunting, I can I can kill me some ducks and, and Peking duck them those suckers and, and eat them. Um, that's why I want my new shotgun. I may go buy my new shotgun this weekend. I want to the Beretta A7, uh, A400. I want to get like a 20 or 28 gauge for duck hunting because I want to go duck hunting. As an aside, where was I going with this? The foodies. So all these friends of mine, they take me to these foodie restaurants. I'm like, this is gross. I don't want to eat this. When I was a kid, that's I, I, I was a very picky eater when I was a kid. My parents had to convince me to eat a taco by telling me that a taco was how Mexicans ate hamburgers. That is true story. My parents convinced me that a taco was just a Mexican version of the hamburger. And, you know, it kind of works when you think about it. Instead of a hamburger bun, you got the taco shell. I could eat me some tacos, y'all. I love ta- The taco is as American as the hamburger. It is the, the great assimilation of food cultures in this country. Pizza and pasta and burritos and tacos and hamburger, a gumbo, jambalaya. It's, it's all part of American food culture, and it's wonderful and glorious. Y'all come on over from the Middle East and assimilate here and bring me some shawarma because I can eat me some shawarma. You Indians and your naan bread and your curries, my gosh, that's the food I grew up with. That's, that's home cooking for me. I love it, but you come and you be an American. You be an American. You shoot fireworks on the Fourth of July. You 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 hang out your American flag. You you can you can have your own religious holidays. You want them, but you're an American when you come here. I have some neighbors down the street from me. My neighborhood is actually the most integrated neighborhood. Uh, I shouldn't say integrated. Most diverse neighborhood in in Middle Georgia. Uh, we have the a, a, a it is almost equal balance. Uh, white, black, uh, Indian, Chinese, it, it is a huge mix of, of of different races in my neighborhood. They're all wonderful people, We've got fantastic people in my neighborhood. Uh, now that the drug lords are gone, that's another story. But uh, one of my neighbors is from India. He um, became an American citizen. On the 4th of July, that dude's yard, it is not green. It is red, red white, and blue. He puts American flags on every square inch of his property. That dude is the proudest, proudest man uh, to be in America. He doesn't decorate for Christmas. He decorate. He decorates the snot out of his house for Halloween. He loves that holiday. He, he's not a Christian. He's Hindu. He doesn't decorate for Christmas. But the Fourth of July, you would think Uncle Sam lived in that house, or Betsy Ross threw up in the front yard. There are so many American flags uh, in that guy's house, and that's that's what it is. Become an American. 
love this country more than where you came from because uh, you worked to get here. And that's why the illegal immigration situation is so demeaning because all these people, they pay somebody to cross the border. All they want to do is come here and work and send money back home. They're escaping violence. They don't want to be an American. You've got to come here and embrace this country and its culture. I'm not saying you got to become the biggest baseball fan or, or a football fan on the planet or learn how to make an apple pie. But you sure got to become addicted to America. That's what it means, or it should mean, to assimilate here. All right, back to the phones. Heidi, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Yes, um, I wanted to just say um, a remark about the um, the birth rate in this country being below the um, repopulation rate. Mm-hmm. If we had not murdered over 60 million babies since the beginning of Roe versus Wade and had such a destruction of the nuclear family, I honestly believe that we would not be in the situation that we're in, and especially with the Democrats trying to bring everybody in here. And just another quick thing, a little off subject, but remind everybody if they're not registered to vote for their primaries in their state and their caucuses that, um, as here in South Carolina, um, if you're a Republican, the date for uh, being able to vote is coming up very quickly by the 20th. So people, you need to get out there and register to vote in the primaries. I haven't heard anybody speaking to that, and I've had a lot of people, including myself, I had, I'm ashamed to admit, had to look up to get more information on the caucuses, what they were, how they meant. And it's so important that we get out there and vote because I don't think, I think people think that, oh, there are representatives that go to this caucus. No, you are the representatives of our state, our country, our beliefs. And if you don't get out there and vote now, that's a large voice that is not going to be heard. Amen to that. You're absolutely right. I'm glad you said that because, you know, I do. A, I, you know, I, I usually try to write a note and remind myself and I, I need to do that. Yeah, you, you folks, you've you got to get registered, particularly for more caucuses. You can show up. But for primaries, you got to be registered in most states uh, ahead of time. You're absolutely right. And by the way, Heidi, I completely agree with you on the abortion issue as well. Uh, we, we wouldn't be having a, a negative birth rate in this country uh, if we hadn't devalued human life after Roe v. Wade. And you know, honestly, I, so I read, what is it, the other day in, in, I think it's Hungary. You know, there's this big embrace of Hungary by some on the right, and, and I'm not really there because it is a, a pretty um, authoritarian state. It's it's not fantastic. There are some things we can learn from them. One thing they do well is that if you have four kids, you never pay income tax. Hungary, you do not pay tax. A great way to incentivize people to have kids is you have four kids, you don't pay income tax again. Uh, not a bad way to do it. I mean, we use the tax code to incentivize every other behavior. We might as well incentivize people having kids. All right, uh, Tony, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hey, Rick. Hi there. Thank you for thank you for taking the call. I loved what you said about your parents, uh, your grandparents, and um, becoming Americans. I want to share with you my family story. Both of my parents were born in Italy in the 1920s. They emigrated to the United States in the 1930s. My father joined the U.S. Army after Pearl Harbor, and he won his citizenship with a Purple Heart. Parents married uh, after the war, four children, all four children, college graduates. Two of us have advanced degrees. I myself served 20 years in the United States Navy as an officer. 
I want to thank you for the opportunity of sharing that. And I love what you do, and I love what you say. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, Tony, Tony, let me let me ask you a question. I, I see your area code on, on your, your phone number. Where are you calling from? I'm actually calling from Canton, Georgia. I used to live in Ohio, but um, like many people, I just kept my uh, phone number when I moved. Okay, so now now I got to ask you this question. I'm going. We're, we're going off. We're going off the reservation, folks. If I can use that phrase without getting canceled, are are, are you an Ohio State fan? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. All right. All right. Well, never mind then, because I, I just noticed. So my old boss, the pig farmer at, at WSB, was from Ohio as well, and and you get all these you get all these Ohio State fans in Georgia. My kids go to a small Christian school in in uh, Middle Georgia, and the amount of Ohio State fans of people who immigrated from Ohio down to Georgia, I just it it, it flabbergasted me. The, the other reason I was asking is I have this massive l- online listenership in Ohio, and I cannot figure out why. Like. Outside of Atlanta, Georgia, Columbus and Cincinnati, Ohio, more people listen to me online than probably listen to the local radio stations there. And I just can't figure it out. So I saw your area because it's like, oh, are, are you one of these these people who's calling? But nope, you're one of the transplants. We're happy to have you, even though you contribute to our traffic. I'm a, I'm a darn Yankee. I came south and stayed. <laughs> well, God bless you for coming, Tony. It's great talking to you. Thanks very much for answering my random question. Y'all, I don't know what it is. Um, I, I look at my online like listenership and the amount of people in Cincinnati and Columbus, Ohio, who listen in Phoenix, Arizona, too, although we're now on the radio in Phoenix and the listenership online has gone down. It's moved to the radio station. I, I don't I don't know what it is, but my goodness, I'm glad to have you guys. Uh, sometimes I got to remind myself the online audience for this program just is incredible. All right. Swiss America wants to help you protect your assets, and you probably want to give them a phone call because we're having more bank credit. These stories that are coming out about banks that moved into bonds to try to get better interest rates, but now that interest rates have gone up, their their bond values have collapsed, and they're struggling with money, and we're on the verge of another financial crisis in this country that's going underground. The media is not paying attention to it. Swiss America is. You can get their report, The Secret War on Cash. All you have to do is call or text Eric Erickson, my name, to 800-289-2646. You mentioned my name, Eric Erickson. Call or text 800-289-2646. This war on cash includes digital currency. It's spreading. Read their report, The Secret War on Cash. It is free to you guys. Just mention my name, Eric Erickson. You call or text 800-289-2646. That's 800 800- 289-2646 or go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K or 800-289-2646. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Let's see. I think I can squeeze one more call in. Uh, Tyler, welcome. How are you? Hey, Eric. How you doing? Good. What's going on? So I wanted to ask, uh, with all this stuff that uh, Fani is allegedly doing, um, if that gets the Trump-Rico case uh, dismissed, what happens to all the people that took the plea deals? <laughs> They're toast. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they've, they've already pled. They, that, those aren't going to be undone, so. unwound. Yeah, um, that's why. Sucks for them. 
Yeah, it does. It, it, it does. Maybe maybe some of them are probably kicking themselves right now. I don't know that it's going to get tossed, but I got to tell you, the, the, the fact that the New York Times is now covering the story, not as Republicans pounce, but as it's legit, uh, that should be the big red flag there, that, that there's a real problem with this case. And in theory, what will happen is if she's tossed over this, it goes to a uh, prosecuting attorney's counsel. And they then find another DA to pursue the case. It doesn't go to the Attorney General of Georgia anymore. They changed the law on this a while back. So it goes to a prosecuting attorney's counsel. If I were the judge, and I know Democrats will say it's because I'm biased, whatever. If I were the judge, I would throw the case out because you have to disincentivize these sorts of corrupt practices. And by throwing out an otherwise credible case, you ultimately... Uh, punish the attorney, the prosecutor for the corrupt practices and disincentivize it in the future. But the people who've already pled guilty, um, I mean, they could have the judge reopen and revisit it because it was Nathan Wade, by the way, who cut those deals. And they could say they would have never made the deals had they known and maybe gotten out of it. But uh, they're going to have to have the money and hire lawyers. And and there's no sure thing there. But they probably should have waited. Great question there, Tyler. Yeah. Um, they There's a way for them to try to get it uh, undone. They can claim prosecutor withheld knowledge. They didn't know. Uh, ask the judge. But in a lot of cases, you, you pled guilty. So they're going to bind you to the guilt, um, whether you like it or not. They, they should have waited. They should have waited. Yeah, Nathan Wade is the one who negotiated those. That's just remarkable.